0: Hey, Ronna Brunson with the Picking Strawberries podcast. I am so glad you're here today listening. I get to interview one of my longtime best friends, Tina Howard. We used to shoot weddings together and I have the privilege of watching her journey into becoming an entrepreneur boss babe. She owns Lee's Book & Tea Shop and Stir Crazy Bake Goods in Fort Worth. And she's doing all the things, balancing all the things and bringing this community together in a stronger and more powerful way. I hope you love this conversation as much as I do. There's just so many little nuggets of wisdom in there that I'm taking notes on my own show. So here we go. Welcome, Tina Howard. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here. If you're looking for a community who's searching for the beauty in every day, having authentic conversations about how we can give back and make this a better place. I encourage you to subscribe to Picking Strawberries. Join me and my guests as we're talking about real things, real life, and how we can take the positive and make us better and all the people around us shine brighter. Hello, Miss Tina Howard, and welcome to the Picking Strawberries podcast. I am so glad you said yes. I'm so glad you said yes to this. I know how busy you are. I know how much you love being on a phone call. So I can't wait to have this conversation. One of my best friends, we have been, I guess I was pregnant with Joseph. So 16 years. Yeah, a really long time. 16 years, and we've even worked together, which we'll get to that and talk about that in the timeline. So thank you for being here. You own two businesses, Leaves Book and Tea Shop and Stir Crazy Bakery. And I think that's been a journey for you for you, worth us talking about. So (laughs) let's jump into (laughs) that. Yes, absolutely. So I'd love to start kind of back at the beginning, because I feel like since I've known you, you've done a lot of different things. And even before that, you did a lot of different things. But all of it feels to have like led to this point now. So I think you started at a college in HR, right? For a big tech company.
1: Am I making that up? I did. I started in human resources for Texas Instruments over in Dallas. I came out of school. I actually had interned um, at EDS while I was in college in finance, decided I did not like finance, went into human resources through connection that I had. That's where I also got my master's degree at the University of Texas at Dallas. And then, yeah, from there, I got pregnant with my oldest, Maddie and stopped working at Texas Instruments. And I started actually, the first thing out of that was nonprofit consulting. So I was consulting with some boards on how to be nonprofit boards because of my background with organization development and change management that I learned through HR. And then I was working for a family camp and a a foundation in Central Texas where I was doing a lot of writing. I had forgotten about that one. Yeah. Yeah. And some of this kind of like was all at the same time too, just because they were all just little side jobs and jaunts of things. I did that. I did basically all of their newsletters, social media. At the time, social media, you know, it was like Facebook and this thing called Twitter that was happening and this thing called Pinterest that was happening. We were trying to figure out, you know, what those things were. So I did those couple things. And then I think it was around that time that maybe I met you. I think so.
0: And you were working with authors, helping them with their oh, tours, their book yeah. tours.
1: Gosh, thanks for helping me in my own timeline. Yeah. I also, around that time when I was still working for the family camp and the foundation, I helped an author friend put together, at the time we called it a blog tour. She, instead of doing appearances at like bookstores or in cities, She appeared because it was the time of the mommy blogs, really. She appeared on a bunch of different blogs. And then from that, I I started a whole business working with authors and then later publishers to do these kind of marketing tours for books that were coming out. And that's when I met you. And then you got into photography. And I was like, that sounds fun. And so after shooting weddings with you for a little while and getting asked by people to do family portraits and headshots and that sort of thing, I did. I uh, had the photography business for a little while and then I guess it was after that it feels like there was something else in there but who knows it right I had oh at one point I had a scrapbooking business <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, I feel like all of this leads into what you're doing now. I mean, you're talking about marketing, you're talking about finance, which kind of makes me laugh a little because I have a feeling you're back in finance currently with owning two businesses. All these different lives and jobs that you've had, what in your past work and life experience really prepared you for being an entrepreneur now?
1: I think there's probably a couple answers to that question. One is, I think when I look back at those things, I see an entrepreneurial thread that runs through all of it. So all of it was sort of teaching me these skills of resilience and problem solving and not viewing failures as failures, but like a try or an opportunity at something. So I had that kind of all throughout all of those things. I think the other thing is, as you're mentioning, like I, in running two businesses, manage staff and do hiring and firing and benefits and comp and HR and all of those organization development things that I learned. In my very first job, certainly the writing and communications that I did with the family camp and the foundation, that's really helped me. PR and marketing, of course, I'm very uh, focused on those things in our business. Event planning, all of those things for sure. Even the photography skills, you know, like I think being able to take a pretty picture because social media is a main way that we advertise. I think even as I like work with customers and that sort of thing. The, the skills you had to learn as a photographer to make uh, your your clients feel comfortable and feel pretty and like all of those things uh, are some of the same skills we use with our customers as well. It's kind of amazing. I mean, and I found it in my
0: own life, and almost everyone that I've interviewed. It seems random, right? Those seem like really random, unconnected things, and now they're not. They've all led you to where you are today, which kind of leads me into the reason I think, and you can totally correct me on this, you created Leaves Book & Tea Shop in the first place. You are so community-driven and minded, and you wanted to create that space. So how have your businesses been a part of your passion to connect others? Because that's what you do so
1: well. Oh, that's for sure why we opened Leaves to begin with. I had been having conversations with people who were saying, you're a connector, you're a connector. And we would have people in our home. And then we would we would have a conversation and say, oh my gosh, Rhonda, you need to meet my friend, you know, Michelle, because she's amazing and y'all get along. And then we'd have another dinner where we'd connect those people together. And we were doing that so often that we finally felt like we need a, we need a, a public space where we can do this. Because I was a photographer at the time, the natural inclination was to think studio space, but that felt like too much pressure on the photography business, so I didn't want to do that. And then through recursive conversations with my book club and some other friends and kind of looking at the book industry and thinking, I have this strange background in publishing and I love reading and books and bookstores. And bookstores, to me, historically have been this community, community gathering space where people come and share ideas and exchange knowledge and that sort of thing. And that was exactly the space that we wanted to create. So for sure, as a a family and personally being community-minded and driven and wanting to create spaces where community could come together has always been important to us. And this was a natural effect of that to open leaves, for sure.
0: It felt natural. I mean, just being there, that's exactly what that space feels like. So how have you extended that past your business at Leaves into the Fort Worth community? Because I, I feel like that's a huge part of your purpose as well, is you you take that passion and you're bringing the community along with you.
1: Yeah, that's really important to us. So a couple ways that happens is as a bookshop, we do events that we invite the community into our space to have conversations or to interact with each other so that they can also, I mean, three events of our book clubs we've had Now people have met and become friends and had other relationships. The other way is as a business owner, I um, find it really important to connect with other business owners, especially in our area. That's also why we picked the neighborhood where we opened, because I think a high tide raises all boats. And so if we're building together as a community, supporting one another, it's only for the benefit of all of us if we do that together. So I lead a group of... At this point, it's probably about 50 to 60 business, small business owners in our area. We uh, gather together and meet and discuss um, what's going on and, and support each other. I'm a part of a few other groups that do that as well. And then that way, you know, we can help influence our community as a cohort together.
0: I feel like that got y'all through COVID too, right? I mean, you are pretty new business, I feel like we can't have this conversation with touching you know without touching that on in a minute, like that was hard, and you all needed each other
1: for sure, for sure, especially with just the day to day decision making that had to happen to have a group you can go, What are you doing today? Are you requiring this? Are you requiring that? It's like it was helpful to have that
0: I bet. So I'm going to throw out a trend word here. I'm not sure I'm on board with this word, but balance, right? We, everyone's talking about balance. So you have two daughters, a husband, a whole lot of friends, associates, staff, and two businesses. Talk to me, Tina Howard,
1: about balance. <laughs> um, my favorite thing to say when people talk about like, work-life balance is that there is no such thing as work-life balance. Not in the sense of, Like if you picture those old scales where you put like work on one side and life on the other and they're supposed to like equal out, no such thing as that. I read a book a really long time ago that talked about every day you prioritize what's important. And sometimes that's my family. So sometimes my girls have activities and I need to be there for them all day long. And that means I'm not paying attention to the businesses or other things. And sometimes the business has something going on and I need to be there all day. And that means I might, miss something of my girls or not get to see my husband as much or any of those things. But it's on a a daily or even weekly basis that I prioritize things. So I feel like that is a more accurate way to describe how you have to juggle all of those things is decide what what are your priorities for the day?
0: Yeah, juggle. I like juggle more than balance because that feels (laughs) more like truth to me than actual balance.
1: For sure, and sometimes it feels as chaotic as juggling. <laughs> right. Right. And Don't drop them. Don't drop <laughs> right? anything. Right? Yeah.
0: And don't set them on fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think giving yourself the freedom Sorry, I think giving yourself the freedom yeah. to also say like sometimes this is what's required of me and it requires a sacrifice someplace else and that doesn't mean that my life is like in a terrible imbalance or is wrongly oriented. I think you have to realize for you personally and for your family, what does that look like and where are the trade-offs and make those versus yeah. trying to keep everything equal.
0: Oh, I like that. What do you wish you would have known before opening leaves five years ago? Gosh.
1: <laughs> pick one. Just I'm, pick I'm one. sure there's a hundred things. I'm also really glad I didn't know a whole lot of things because who knows what I would have decided to do. One lesson that's just stood out to me recently is realizing when you're the head of your business or when you're on, you know, at the top of what you're doing, it's lonely at the top, right? Like, so realizing when it comes to running your own business, as supportive as my friends are, the ones who don't run businesses don't really fully understand the pressure and the stress of doing that. And your employees, although they're in the business with you, they also aren't having to have the weight of those decisions being made on their shoulders. And so you kind of look around sometimes and just go, wow, like this is, this can be very isolating, which is why when it comes back to community, it's been so important to me to connect with other business owners, because that's where I found that people understand the kind of decisions and the weight of what we're carrying uh, means. And so that's super important. And I, I felt like I always had that community, but I don't think I realized how Critical it was to just like mental health and staying sane through everything.
0: That sounds like such a great thing you've learned and a great piece of advice rolled all into one of anyone kind of in that space. I think that sounds really important. What has surprised you the most the last five years?
1: Also, an interesting question. As I was thinking about that, um, one thing that's really surprised me is when I first opened, I felt like I, I had such imposter syndrome, I would show up to places where other people owned businesses and I would be like, Yeah, I own a little bookstore and tea shop. I'm kind of a business owner. And they're like, um, you own a business, you're a business owner. And I never felt like I had an equal seat at the table. And now five years in, I can look at some of my friends that I've made that I've gotten to talk to and watch their businesses grow. And I realized like no one has it all figured out. When I walked into those first spaces brand new. Even some of the people who'd been in the industry for a long time were still just trying to figure things out. And so I think I looked at them and all felt like they were so intimidated and they knew how to run their businesses and they knew how to do this thing. And we're all just, you know, as we go along, new problem comes up, solving a problem, new issue comes up, trying to address it. And so I I don't feel quite as intimidated by that. And that was super surprising to hear. Yeah. I can imagine. And what a better place to be. And I think even
0: when we were photographers, I feel like for both of us, it took about five years for right? us to say, oh, we're profo- we're photographers. That imposter syndrome is real and hard in any industry.
1: It is. I, I for sure remember that with photography, thinking like, I yeah. mean, I shoot some pictures, but... <laughs>
0: Right. I mean, I show up at weddings. Okay. We showed up at weddings, right? It, totally. Like,
1: a lot of weddings. Yeah, a lot of weddings.
0: But it, I feel like for me, it took at least five years to say I'm a photographer and to own that. And now you're a business owner with two businesses, right? And owning that. That's a yeah. pretty great space.
1: Yeah. I was someplace recently and someone was like, oh my gosh, you own leaves. I've been meaning to like reach out and meet you. And I was like, wait, you know who I am? Wait, what? You grow right. leaves? That's so strange to That's me. That's so still cool. Takes me off guard sometimes.
0: Yeah. So leading your staff, you know, other humans, right? It takes a lot of intentionality. How do you keep yourself in a grounded and a healthy place so you can bring out the best in them?
1: I think that is a great thing to consider because I feel very fortunate to know people like you specifically like you know, our friend Christine, who are also very intentional about staying healthy, processing through things, being present. I learned so much from people like like you guys about how to be a human and how to be intentional and to, you know, walk out these experiences that we get thrown at. And so I think because I've come up with that as I've grown in the business, that is what has helped me stay grounded is to have friends who are also in whatever it is that they're doing, business owners or not, who are trying to figure out how do I be my authentic, truest self at the best of my ability? And how do I embrace the journey that I'm on? And because I really try to surround my core group of people as those types of people, then it lets them pour into me and teach me things that then I can go back out and hopefully pour out to my staff and other people that I interact with.
0: Man, I feel that cuz you're when you're with someone who's like going through the process, like really trying to be authentic, really trying to be the best that they can be. Like it makes you stop and think about yourself and your process even if you don't have anything at the time, right? It's just so inspiring to watch people in those place and I'm like you. I try to put as many people of those around me that are in just on that journey, right? On that journey yeah. to authenticity.
1: Because if I see you doing the hard work, but then also I can see the growth, which, you know, it's so such a privilege to get to see that in your friends, then it makes me go like, okay, I can do the hard work too. Yeah, And yeah. I know someone who's been there, who's been doing the hard work. And I also see the results of what that looks like.
0: So what has been the biggest lesson you have learned as an entrepreneur?
1: I feel like I'm kind of starting to sound like a broken record, but I think it's that we need each other. I can't walk the entrepreneur life without like my inner circle of friends that help me stay grounded without my other fellow business owners that help me make those decisions and talk through things and just share the load of like, oh my gosh, we have this responsibility for staff and our customers i I don't know how anyone would do this by themselves. It would be lonely and scary and sad to me, and so I keep going back to community as such a core a core value for me. And I see it, the necessity of it every day.
0: Well, and that's the whole, that's leaves, right? That's stir crazy. Yeah. It all fits in. So when you look at it, our broken, amazing, hectic, just incredible world, what do you see as beautiful from your perspective?
1: Community is one, but since I've talked about that for like half an hour, I'll just say, Okay. Everybody knows I like community and that's important to me. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful when I see something that's hard that happens in a community. And you see the you know community members rally together and support one another and love one another, even in the times that we felt kind of divided on a lot of other things. The other thing to me that stands out is these tiny moments that we get to have or witness between people being human with one another. So for example, when I first came onto the bakery, I interviewed all of my staff just to get to know them and just asked them, like, what do you love about being here? And they're like, part of what we love is that, you know, we get to be a part of people's lives in, in a bakery, right? Because you're making birthday cakes and anniversary cakes and wedding cakes and doing things that are parts of celebrations and those sorts of things. And they all cited this one grandpa who comes in every week with his granddaughter to get a treat and they sit at the table and they have a good time and they've gotten to know the staff and they leave and she thanks them. And and they've seen her grow from like three years old until now where she's, I think like seven. And so to me, when you get to witness those moments and, and gosh, when you even get the privilege to be some small part, like a cupcake in that moment, like that is such a beautiful, tender thing that is just amazing to get to witness.
0: Oh, I love that story. I've never heard that story. I, I
1: know. It's I so sweet. That. And I like, after I heard it three times, I was like, Oh my gosh, you guys like, yeah, you're all saying the same little family unit that is affecting you. And that is amazing. that We get to be a part of that. Yeah.
0: So what advice would you give to someone who finds himself in that space of starting a business and becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Run. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew. I knew <laughs> Don't do it, no. Um, for those of us who I think have that entrepreneurial spirit, and I feel like you know this and you definitely experience it in your in your home, we can't help but want to to engage in that. And there's you no would cause ruckus. It. Yes. Yes, you would cause
0: ruckus without it. Yes. We I would know be this well.
1: much more there's a line in the book uh, Where'd you go Bernadette where she talks about being an artist. And she's like, if I if I'm not creating, then I become a menace to society. And
0: Yes, I quote that all the time. All the time. That right? line. It's yes.
1: so true. And I feel like in the same way, like if I'm not engaging that entrepreneurial spirit of mine, then I totally become a menace to everyone around me. And so I think that to anyone embarking on that journey is one is to to lean into that and to embrace it as a part of who you are. I think the other part is especially as you're getting started recognizing. We do a lot of, you know how you do the pasta test where you throw the spaghetti against the wall to see if it's done and if it sticks? Yeah, I do a lot of that. I mean, I don't cook, but I, I've heard of right. it. <laughs> right, right. You started, you started. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do a lot of that with an idea, like let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And not viewing when it doesn't stick as a failure, I think is super important. The beauty of both owning a bakery and the book and tea shop is I've never owned a bakery and I've never owned a book and tea shop. And even before that, I'd never really worked in the food industry. And so to me, everything's an experiment. And I think that that has made it much easier for me to try new things, not view them as failures, not be disappointed if they don't work, but to look at it and go, okay, that was an experiment. What do we need to either tweak to make it better or that just didn't work and we need to move on to a new idea? So I tell a lot of entrepreneurs, like I would hold that very loosely as far as like, Try something new, see what sticks. If it doesn't, recalibrate or just move on from that. But don't feel like, oh my gosh, such a failure because it didn't work. Oh, fantastic
0: advice. Okay. Are you ready to close it out? I'd like to do kind of a rapid fire questions. A couple of these feel a little loaded for you, especially the first one, because you own a book and tea shop. <laughs> I know, how do you pick one? I mean, I, I mean, you get some wiggle room if you need more than one. But what, I, I feel like this is going to be recorded forever here. What Tina Howard, owner of Lee's Book and Tea Shop, is your favorite book?
1: See, and this is like, Who's your favorite kid? I don't have no, a favorite no. <laughs> kid, and I these extreme questions, but I will tell you um, a book that I read recently that I really like really made an impression is called Unoffendable: How Just One Change Can Make All of Life Better, and it talks a lot about your perspective on like we just in this day and age take everything and we're just offended by everything, big things and little things, like you know we just have this natural reaction that seems to be like either accepting or offended. And it talks about like changing your expectations and changing where your values lie and not allowing everything to be so offensive to you um, in a way that like affects you. And so I read that one recently and I really liked it and really appreciated that one. So I'll say for today, that's the book that I would
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll be it. I'll be in to get it. What movie will you watch on repeat?
1: See, there are not many movies that I will rewatch. Todd re-watches movies. I'm like, mm, seen that. And you gave me these questions, so you'd think I would have thought about it already. Um, can I TV? Can I change it to TV? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Parks and Rec. I would watch Parks okay. and Rec over and over and over because it's absolutely hilarious.
0: What is your go-to self-care?
1: That is reading, for one. I do read a lot for that. It's also like just hanging out with my kids. I enjoy being with them. And so that recharges me a lot.
0: What's your favorite quote?
1: I think it's the one that I mentioned. That's from Where'd You Go, Bernadette.
0: That, Uh
1: That basically says something to the effect of when I'm not creating, I become a menace to society.
0: What lights you up?
1: I love coffee with friends that will make me float for the rest of the day.
0: Mm, Me too. Especially when it's with you. Yeah. One word that describes your life today. Full. Oh, fantastic. Tina, thank you for being on the Picking Strawberries podcast. What an insightful conversation. And I learned something new about you. And we've been really good friends for 16 (laughs) years. So that was fun. I really enjoyed that. And I know you have lots of events if anyone's in the Fort Worth, Dallas area coming out at Leaves and at Stir Crazy Baked Goods. And um, in the show notes will be all the links to those so people can find you, come see you. And they're just great spaces. So I really hope people come enjoy that community that you've created. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, that was fun. After 16 years of being friends with Tina, I even learned some new things about her. If you know someone who needs that sense of community, who wants to see the beauty in every day, I ask you to please share this podcast. When we spread that light, when we put love on the grid, we're making the whole world around us shine brighter.